Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's one thing that we learn from this, and it is God who started everything. And guess what? He's going to finish everything. In the beginning, God, Elohim, which is the plural word, meaning that there's more than one entity in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God. We are not the beginning. He is. One thing that we see, and that is this, God out of eternity begins to speak into existence his plan, his will of what he wanted and what he wanted to see and what he wanted to have and how he wanted to have it. It's important to understand that because the first thing we see about this, and that is this, he also comes into and he exposes himself and he looks at what he created and said, it's empty and it's void. There's no life in it. I think quite often we forget who God actually is. We get so busy with life. I mean, you can read the Bible and find out in history how they forgot God. How they forgot who he was and what he did and what he wanted to do. Somehow or another, we as humans have a real difficulty with that. But God doesn't. And I thank God that he's consistent. Hallelujah. He's the one that's faithful. And he looked down on his creation and it was empty and void and there was no life. And what did he do? He spoke the word to it. And the first thing he said to darkness and emptiness, let there be light. And then we read the rest of how he walked into creation. But this is the point I want to make. When God looks down and sees emptiness and no life, he will speak to that. He will actually confront it. Not to actually put it down, but to bring it out of where it is. He is not subject to our weaknesses. He's not subject to our failures. He's not subject to our thoughts and our ideas. God is not subject to what I think. He is subject to what he said. We need to grasp this with all of our heart. Because the word of God means what he said, and it said what he meant. There is no difference. And guess what? It applies to all of us. Nobody is outside of what he said. Ever. I'll just tell you how that works. If you believe you have life, if you don't believe, you don't. 
That's pretty simple. Applies to everybody. We can't say, well, that's how God meant it for you. No, he meant it for everybody. Whoever, like, if you're, if you're in a place, if we're in a place of chaos and emptiness, God will speak to that. And he will bring us out of that kind of condition. He'll perform his word in what he said, and it will accomplish what he said. Because he said it. It's as simple as that. What he said is what he said. And you, you and I, we can't change that at all. He is eternally true. Always has been, always is, and always will be. When we look at the book of Deuteronomy, we have to realize that God did not accept the failure of man. Because God has a destiny for his people and it shall be done. Believe it or not. There will be those who believe. And so it, it's a book that says, you know, these, I, the, this first generation didn't make it in. Now, that didn't mean they weren't God's people. But they just didn't get the promises that God had for them. They never got it. And so he's building this next generation up to actually go in and Take the land that he gave them. Take the land that he actually promised to Abraham some 400 years before. And what does God do? God said to Abraham, you know, the people are going to go down there, but after 400 years, I'm going to visit them and I'm going to take them out of there. actually visited them. Elohim visited them. And here's what it says in Deuteronomy. It says, the Lord your God, meaning Jehovah Elohim, the Lord Jehovah, your God Elohim. And he brings a revelation of who he is so that he's going to actually reveal who he is in what he's going to do in bringing the people out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. And guess what? By that picture, the world has nothing positive to offer you and I. It doesn't. Slavery, manipulation, anti-God, anti-Christ, Anti-peace, anti-joy. That's all the world has to offer us. And God said to, to Abraham, I'm going to bring my people out of that. And guess what? Those people had nothing to do with the plan. They, they didn't even choose to go down to Egypt. 
but the prophetic actually happens. It actually happens. Prophetically speaking, we are where we are because God said so. So don't take any credit to yourself that somehow we're such great people. If it wasn't for him, we would still be in slavery. But he had a plan in eternity past that you and I had nothing to do with. And he comes into existence in creation and begins to declare who he is and his name. And throughout all of Deuteronomy, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. God is reminding them of who he is. I am the one, the, the, the Elohim is the one who makes covenant and wants covenant relationship. So when God created man in his image, it's because the covenant-keeping God wants relationship, not religion. Amen. Intimacy. God. God made the plan that's absolutely infallible, unquestionable, everlasting. Then the other thing that we see in Genesis, and that is as he said, God, let, it, let us make man in our image. Well, what's our? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't think we realize the impact of that statement. We don't really realize the impact of that statement. Because sometimes we don't see ourselves in his image. We look at her, our humanity rather than our divinity, and we place our value on our failures rather than who we are. I'm trying to be led by the Holy Spirit through three sermons. When God swore to Abraham, he absolutely took an oath. We were having coffee with Howard and Kathy, and I was showing them this book on the linguistic key of the Greek New Testament. And he took it, and he, looked, he was looking at it, and he turned to a certain passage of Scripture. And he knew exactly where he was going. And he read these words. When God took an oath, he bound himself to his word. Wow. God is bound to what he said to see it fulfilled. How do I relate to that? I'll share with that at the end. I'm going to tell you how the Lord walked. But when we look at this, we look at Elohim, the covenant relationship with God that makes covenant. And then he takes an oath and binds himself to what he said. That means you and I walk in that which can never fail. 
Our failures are not based on the essence of who we're not. Our failure is based on what we have done. In other words, it's like this. I am no longer a sinner. I am a saint, and so are you. He said so. Do I identify with his covenant? He won't change that. He won't. But what I say and what I do determines where I live. Because we're created in his image, meaning we have freedom of choice, self-determination. And we kind of accept that. But let me throw another one out to you that we have trouble with. We're created in his image and his likeness, meaning his authority. His right decisions. His dealing with darkness. His dealing with the enemy. We're like him. He didn't make us a little peon that the devil can just come along and kick around like a football. I, I, I was reminded this morning while we were worshiping about two incidences of people who called me. And this one young lady called me and says, you know, Uncle Nelson, I'm in trouble. And there were some incidences with some things that allowed darkness to come into effect. And she says, I'm withdrawing from my husband. I'm withdrawing from my kids. And I'm becoming recluse. I was wondering if we could pay for your air ticket and you could come and pray for us. And I said, I'd love to do that, but I'd like you to do something. She said, what's that? I'd, li I'd like you to cleanse your house. Well, how do I do that? I told her. She says, okay, I'll do it. I said, call me back. Fifteen minutes later, she says, it's gone. We're created in his image, folks. We're not created to be kicked around. We're created to do the kicking. But not against God. Israel did that. They kicked against God. One man, he became so wealthy, so well, he just kicked against God. Read it in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me read you something. <clears throat> Elohim, we see God according to his own will, working on a dark and ruined creature, till by his word all its... Um, by his word, all is set in order and made very good. That's our expectation. God will take the case, chaos and the lifelessness in my life, and he, by his word, will come and make it very good. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. But when we want to live in disobedience to the word, then how can we expect the word to actually come to pass in our life? So, so God came and he saw lifelessness. He saw darkness and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And then the next step, we see that Jesus comes on the scene and he's the light of the world and he came to those who sat in great darkness. And guess what they saw? They saw a great light. Hallelujah. Because the Father's plan will not fail. The great light lives within us. As we walk around this world, do people see the light of the glory of God? Do they hear the words of the covenant? Do they hear about the love of God? Or do they just hear about our despair and our ugliness? Where do we live? Hallelujah. What are you facing right now? Whatever you're facing that is empty, that hasn't got the life that is supposed to be in it, and it's not normal, speak to it. Hallelujah. Speak to it. Take the authority that you have been given because you're created in his image. It's because of his image that we are created in that we have the authority to speak to darkness and darkness has to leave. I think God wants, sometimes why he doesn't answer prayer is because he wants us to act. Please pray for me. I don't mean to mock you, okay? I'm sorry. I mean, I'm like that sometimes too. Please pray for me. But for the most part, we created in his image. Glory to God. So Jesus comes to darkness and they see a great light. Israel was in Egypt for 400 years in a dark, slaved, contemned world. And God said, I'm going to take you out of there. Those people are not going to have any more control over your life. That slavery, I'm going to break. It's amazing. So what does God do? Oh, he, he sends fleas. I mean, wow. <laughs> he probably looked down, now you're a flea-bitten varmint. He says all these plagues. God plagues the darkness. He came down there. He sends Moses down. This is an amazing thing. God sends a normal man to do a God work. You tell that Pharaoh to let my people go. Tell him. 
but he won't listen to me. Well, tell him anyway. Sometimes when we face darkness and we speak out, he ain't listening, tell him again. God never stops being prophetic. Because what he said must happen. And therefore, the prophetic part of God is constantly working in our life and through our life. So when you look forward to these prophetic conferences, don't just think that it's some word of knowledge. And it is that. But it's more than that. It's actually who God is working through our life. It is meaningful. It is powerful. It is God-designed. It's not just, oh, it's a nice conference. No, no. No, no. God. God is prophetic. He is looking for us to become an active prophetic people, not a pathetic people. <laughs> Jesus said these words. And I'm, I've been reminded of this many times. Remember, Nelson, what I said. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Hmm. That gives me boldness. I mean, who do the gates of hell think they are? Well, the gates of hell. But they can't prevail. Pharaoh could not prevail. He had to let them go. Too many fleas. Too many lice. Too many frogs. And so God sends all these little stupid little things among them. And I, I could just imagine what the thing. This is God? But until the very source of their life was challenged, he wasn't letting anybody go. But when God touched their children, they let the people go. Because he challenged their life. And showed that he was superior to their life. And that he was not going to succumb and be subject to their life. He showed them his life. And I believe all those children are in heaven. But God came to those who sat in darkness. God came. God came. God came. God came to you and I. And he took us out of and brought us in. He didn't bring us out and say, oh, let me see what you can do. <laughs> see, an oath gives power to the word. The oath of the covenant gives power to the words of the covenant. 
The oath of the covenant is the guarantee to the fulfillment of what he said. It's the, we live in the guarantee of the kingdom of God. And God does not reject, renege on his guarantee. The oath of the covenant makes application of the blood of the covenant effective. It's the oath that makes the blood effective. Because the oath, has, he has sworn that this is what it'll do. And guess what? That's exactly what it does. The oath of the covenant seals and causes the words to come to pass. Hallelujah. The oath of the covenant guarantees the sanctuary of the covenant divine life here on earth. We are called to walk in divinity, not humanity. We walk among humanity, but we walk in divinity. Elohim, we see God committed to dealing with chaos and bringing the word to it until all was good. Jehovah shows the qualities in God. is revealed as love. is revealed of his righteousness. For instance, Jehovah Jireh reveals his provisioner. He's the provider. Jehovah Shalom, he's the peace. Jehovah is the revelatory name of the nature of God. Elohim is the name of the covenant-keeping relationship God. One God. When Jesus said these words, I have manifested your name to those who you gave me. What an interesting study it would be to go to the Gospels and see where the names of God are fulfilled. They're all fulfilled in the name of Jesus now. So Jesus says, I'm your peace. Oh, I'm your shalom. His love and righteousness must deal with sin at all cost. And that he did. He paid the price required by himself to make us partakers of his holiness. Wow. He paid the price by himself so that we could become the holiness and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took us out of the world and he brought us into his kingdom. We are not flea-bitten varmints.
We are kings and priests unto our God. We have been made in his image. We have been delegated authority. We have been given delegated authority. If you want to know what that looks like, read the Gospels. Hallelujah. I said, Father, I'm tired of tolerating sickness, disease. We want to see more. We want to see the words of the covenant. We want to see the reality of what he said. We want to see the healer in the Old Testament. He says, I am your healer. And Jesus came and he healed the sick. Glory to God. He is a covenant-keeping God. There isn't a question in God's mind whether he would heal or not. But there's doubt in our mind. He delivers. He delivered Israel out of the world system. And brought them to the place where he wanted them to achieve his destiny. And guess what? He said these words, and I want to read this in closing. He said these words in Deuteronomy. The Lord our God spoke unto us, plural. God is speaking unto us. You have dwelt long enough in this mountain. You dwelt long enough in Horeb. And Horeb is the place of waste, desolation, ruins. He said, you lived here long enough. We're going to move on. And they begin to journey. And guess what the next place they came to? They came to Well, first of all, let me put it in order here. The Lord God had multiplied you, and behold, you are this day as the stars of heaven for multitude. God is a multiplying God. Pastor David, God is a multiplying God. God not just going to add to this place. He's going to multiply. He multiplied them to become a great force, a great people. The Lord God, your father, make you thousand times so many more as you are and bless you. And he has, as he has promised you, even how many there were wasn't big enough. He wanted it bigger. As the God promised. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea means the place of consecration. They left chaos, emptiness, and come to the place of consecration. Hallelujah. Huh. 
I am consecrating you to go in and take what I have for you. I'm setting you apart to do this. Glory to God. I mean, what did they have to do? Just go in and take it. They came to Katie's Barnea. The next step was this. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country. Now they've come to the hill country of the Amorites. <laughs> Hallelujah. Which the Lord our God is about to give us. He's going to give it to you. You're not going to earn it. So they came to this mountain. They had to go over the mountain and down into the valley. But man steps in and says, you know what? We need to send some spies in. Rather than going in like God told them to do. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to send some spies. We want a report before we go. Really. Interfering with the covenant words. Go in and get it. I am giving it to you. What does it matter what it looks like? Go in and take it. Oh, but man is wise, you know. The only thing the wise men got in Egypt was fleas. And they took some of the fruit and they brought it out. And we know the story. And in the book of Deuteronomy, God is reminding this next generation what happened to the previous generation. Remember, 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 remember. And Moses in chapter 32 sings a song of remembrance. He says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations as your father. And he will show you your, ask your father and he will show you. Ask your elders and they shall tell you. When the Most High divided the nations, and he goes on, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in the desert land, and in the waste, howling wilderness, he led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads her wings, takes them and bears them on her wings. That's why the Bible says, I brought you out on eagle's wings. He caused them to fly. What that means is this. The, the eagle depends on the wind of the current and puts very little energy into where he's going. But in that, he has authority, and he has power. What he's saying is, I have borne you on eagle's wings. I carried you, and once in a while I dropped you to see if you could walk. I 
And Moses is singing this song. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange gods with him. And he made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flint of the rock, the butter of cows, the milk of sheep, the fat of lambs, the ram of the bread bashing, and the goats and whatever you have, kidneys and this and that, and grapes. I mean, God just blessed them. Hallelujah. Here's the key. When God is taking you somewhere, take it, because there's great blessing in it. Don't sit in your poor little self-image Rise up and declare yourself a son and daughter of God. I am made in his image. He has given me authority of the son lives in me. His word is in me. His power is upon me. His ability is upon me. I can say to darkness, get out of here. We have to become those who tolerate Nothing that's wrong. I was going to end with that. But I have a better verse on that. Here's the conclusion. Deuteronomy 33 verse 27. The eternal God is a dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms... And he drove out the enemy from before you and said, destroy. When he came to Egypt, Elohim and Jehovah invited them to come to his presence. Come to my dwelling place. Come walk with me. If you come where I am, I will take you out of where you are. Declare the word of the Lord. Declare the word of the Lord. Declare the word of the Lord. I'll tell you why. Because, if I can find it, The Father has sent his Son to answer that God is love. And that through his creature, and though his creature has fallen, he will come into the, his likeness for him and will lift him up and will lift up man again to bear his own image. God is so true that if, if man sins, he must surely die. But God, through death, 
can destroy him that had the power of death and say to death, I am your plague and I am your destruction. Man who suffered and died now dwells in God with all power in heaven and earth to destroy the works of the devil and to reconcile and bring back all to God forever. For God, this God's, uh, the God's answer to the serpent's lie was this. God was made flesh. I become like one of those. And one of those is going to destroy you. Think about that. His humanity would destroy the power of the devil. Thinking he had authority over all humanity, Jesus comes on and said, you know what? I make like a man. I'm made in the image of man. I chose to be like a man, and I'm going to destroy you. What does that tell us? It tells us that he who is in me destroys the works of darkness. And I have the authority to stand up and say, no more. Speak life to your circumstances. Speak life to your health. Speak life to your mind. Speak life to your marriage. Speak life to your mate. Speak life to your kids. Tell them about God. Tell them about God. Tell them about God. Tell them how great God is. Tell them how much he is. And tell them how much he lives in you. And how much power you have in him. Glory to God. The, through his word, which is perfect truth, he has answered and continues to answer. He will always respond to every situation to confront, to confront false words and the enemy. God will always confront it. Therefore, I don't have to submit to it. Oh, I better pack up and leave. The eternal God is a dwelling place. You can see four names in one verse. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God. There's four Hebrew names of God in that verse. <clears throat> he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Wow. God. In the beginning, Elohim. Jehovah. Jehovah, your Elohim. The revealer is your Elohim. Jehovah, revealer, Elohim, covenant. And let's not forget that it's not about me and it's not about my ability but it's about Almighty God and what he has done and what he's declared to be true. <clears throat> Hallelujah. There is no failing in God.
What time is it? Oh, what, what time is that? 1,400 hours. <laughs> I thought I had a lot of time. Anyway. Amen? You see, here, here's, I, I want to leave you with this. Everything he said becomes your prophetic ministry. Everything he said becomes your prophetic ministry. Everything he said, you can declare. Everything he said, you can say. Everything he said, you can expect. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that you brought us to the Mount Zion, the city of the living God. You brought us, Lord. You brought us corporately to this to the city, to Zion, the city of the living God. We live in Zion, the city of God. And we walk down streets of peace, joy, love. We walk down the avenues of forgiveness because we live in your city. I pray that you'd bless just bless us. Let this word, Father, burn in our hearts. Let it burn in our hearts. Let us burn for you. And we want to do, and we want to live like you, Lord. We want to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your rule, your authority come, and let your will be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said,